The NFL Power Rankings Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime is a new app that tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And even in the offseason, GameTime has all the MLB, NHL, and NBA tickets you need at the best prices on the market. But don't take my word for it. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download GameTime on the App Store or on Google Play now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hello and welcome back to The Athletic's NFL Power Rankings podcast. I'm Lindsay Jones, NFL reporter from The Athletic. I'm Amy Perlofiano, NFL editor at The Athletic. And this is our trade deadline slash midseason update edition of the Power Rankings podcast. And we recorded slightly later in the day today than normal, so we could make sure that we caught up on all of the breaking news of the trade deadline And then it pretty much turned out to be a dud. So we're going to touch on what happened and then we're going to get into our rankings and then really evaluate where we think all of these teams stand today compared to eight weeks ago. And a quick reminder about the process, uh, as we do every week, um, the national staff votes. We compile the votes. Lindsay writes the snarky blurbs. I pick the funny gifts. Everybody votes, though. It's not just Lindsay. So leave us your angry comments and direct them toward all of us, not just Lindsay. We read all your comments, as you will see uh, a little bit later when we read them out on uh, on the podcast. And we do read them, and we really appreciate when you guys comment. And uh, we, you know, we try to engage in the comment section when we can. So keep doing that. We'll read them out here. And uh, before we get into our rankings, we are going to quickly touch on the trade deadline where nothing happened. But uh, there were a lot of rumors of things that were going to happen that didn't end up happening. The Jets were the center of a lot of it. They basically put their entire team, except for Sam Darnold and uh, their 2019 first-round pick, Quinton Williams, on the trading block. There was a lot of talk about Jamal Adams and the Cowboys and that there was going to be a deal for them. There were talks of how the Jets wanted probably multiple first-rounders. That seems to be the thought process, um, and they did not get an offer for multiple first-rounders. So he is staying put. Um, There were also links to the Ravens for Adams as well. Um, Both of those would have been awesome trades, but (laughs) they didn't happen. The price was too high. So now the Jets are going to go back to work with a bunch of players they just tried to trade. So, you know, I I only see good things in the future for the Jets. Um, I'm just kidding. It's going to be a dumpster fire. So, Yeah, what a mess. Um, They did pull off one trade. They did trade Leonard Williams, their former first-round pick, to the New York Giants, which it's the first time those two teams have ever traded players between them, which is surprising and uh, awfully convenient for Leonard Williams, who I don't think he'll even have to move, doesn't have to pack up anything, you know, just has to basically program (laughs) a new uh, some new directions into his into his ways. Although, honestly, he doesn't even have to do that because he knows how to get to uh, MetLife Stadium. And that's where the Giants train. So um, good deal. I think there, you know, I think maybe we thought maybe the Giants would have been sellers and that you know, that didn't ultimately happen. Um, but uh, there was one move. Um, the only notable move that happened on Tuesday was the Rams trading cornerback Akib Tlaib to the Miami Dolphins, who were buyers at the trade deadline instead of sellers. <laughs> but basically what they're doing is they are paying $4 million 
you know, which is Tlaib's salary to pick up a fifth round draft pick from the Rams. This is basically a salary dump if you're the Rams. Tlaib is on injured reserve, not eligible to come back, I believe, until week 15. Uh, So really, this is just a salary dump for the Rams who needed some salary cap space and, uh, you know, as a guy who wasn't going to be back for them next year. I would be shocked, though, if Aqib Tlaib ends up playing a single snap for the Dolphins. You know, I think this is really just all about, you know, shedding salary, gaining assets if you're the Dolphins. Um, And then I also just want to remind everybody that as as much as 4 p.m. Eastern was kind of a dud, kind of anticlimactic after so much buzz, this was actually a really fun trade season. You know, there were two wide receiver trades last week with Mohamed Sanu and um, Emmanuel Sanders. There were two cornerback trades the week before that with Jalen Ramsey and Marcus Peters, you know, the Leonard Williams deal, um, you know, and then even dating back to, you know, end of August, early September, when we saw Jadavian Clowney and Laramie Tunsil. And then last spring when, you know, it was D Ford and Frank Clark and Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown, who was in the NFL at that point. I mean, we've just seen a ton of trades. It's much more active than it used to be, which makes things really fun. You know, this, this day used to be just a, basically just another Tuesday. And now it actually like has the entire NFL world and sports world engaged on trade rumors. So um, that part was fun, even if today ended up being a little bit of a dud. Top five, bottom five. So now let's get into our power rankings. Amy, you want to kick us off with our bottom five? Yeah, let's do it. So unfortunately, we could not just have these five teams tie for last, which I think all of us would have loved to do. Um, we So we have them ranked like this. Number 28, New York Jets. Number 29, Atlanta Falcons. Number 30, Washington Redskins. Number 31, Cincinnati Bengals. Number 32, Miami Dolphins. There's no change at all here from last week. Um, Even though the Dolphins made the game close for a little bit against the Steelers last night, they've actually been playing in a couple of close games, at least for a little bit, um, their last couple of games. So um, meanwhile, the Bengals just continue to be awful and lifeless. And I had them 32nd again. I know, Lindsay, I believe you did, too. I did. And, you know, they actually had kind of the most newsworthy thing that happened on Tuesday. It didn't involve a trade. Unfortunately, hashtag free AJ Green. It's just going to remain there for the rest of the season. Hashtag free AJ Green. But they did bench Andy Dalton. So, um, oh, yeah. So that happened earlier. Andy Dalton, no longer the starting quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to be moving forward with a guy named Ryan Finley, who maybe you've never heard of before, but he played, he's a rookie. He played at NC State. The Bengals really now need to figure out if, you know, if Ryan Finley, if there's something there with him or if they need to get themselves into the Tua conversation or maybe Joe Burrow, who's actually an Ohio kid. And, um, you know, he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the draft next year. So there you go with the Bengals. Um, 31 there, 32 in my heart, and rapidly falling. (laughs) I agree. Free AJ Green. And also another thing related to the bottom five that happened today was not a trade. Unfortunately for Trent Williams, who we also had a hashtag, (laughs) free Trent Williams. He's not free. He's still with the Redskins. But his holdout is over. According to Adam Schefter, he just reported that a few minutes ago. The per source, according to Adam Schefter, Trent Williams' holdout is over. He has reported back to Washington. So they did not trade him, and his holdout is not over. So... Make of that what you will. He had to come back at yeah. some point this year or he would lose the accredited season yeah. and the the Redskins would get to control his rights even a, a season longer, which we all know he does not want that. So okay. um, I, I, I have no idea when he's actually going to play. I still don't think this is being a like, oh, bygones, bygones type no, of situation there. Not. But yeah. um, 
But uh, so, yeah, there we go. Now let's move into our top five teams. Uh, Number five, the Minnesota Vikings. Number four, the Green Bay Packers. Number three, the New Orleans Saints. Number two, the San Francisco 49ers. And number one, the New England Patriots. So these are the same top five that we had a week ago. But there is a notable change. And we know you guys are fired up about this. So the notable change this week is that the Saints fell back a spot from number two to number three, while the 49ers moved up from two to three. They basically just swapped. Um, As I wrote in the power rankings file that is online now at The Athletic, I was you know, a little surprised to see the Saints actually drop a spot when Drew Brees came back. That's, you know, kind of goes against maybe conventional wisdom a little bit, but it's just a sign of how strongly our panelists feel about the San Francisco 49ers, who won 51 to 13 last week against Carolina, who, you know, before that has looked like a pretty good team this season. Um, and, you know, their defense has just played so well. And, but, you know, there's there's a lot of debate here. I just think that, you know, you could really make a strong argument that any of those three teams, the Saints, the Niners or the Patriots deserve to be in that number one spot. So uh, just in the kind of the same way we joked about how, you know, we wish that we could tie all the bottom five teams. I kind of feel that way when I'm filling out for at least the top three. It's really difficult. I I was one of the ones who moved the 49ers up. I had the Saints two last week, 49ers uh, behind them. And I moved the 49ers up this week. I think my reasoning was not that I think the Saints got any worse than they were last week. Obviously, I really think they only got better. Drew Brees is back. Um, But, you know, the 49ers are undefeated. And at some point, they deserve the If the Patriots can still deserve the title of first best team with their undefeated record, despite playing, you know, nobody really that good. Um, the 49ers played a, a good team on, on Sunday and they absolutely dominated them. They played a, a complete game all around. They looked unstoppable. They just looked great in every facet of the game. And I think because of that and paired with their undefeated record, they deserve the two spot. I don't think the Saints don't deserve it, but I think with my mindset there, it's just kind of the, well, I can't choose, so I'll just go with the record at this point. Yeah, well, this is one of those things where, you know, anytime there's a debate, whether it's about like, you know, who's the better court, you know, Brady versus Manning, or we had it forever with Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck, where if you favored one, that automatically the other side meant that you were, you thought the other side was garbage. And that's clearly not where we're at right now. We we think they're all really good, but we know you guys are arguing about it in our comments and we love, we love it. We love that you guys feel so strongly about these rankings. We hear you. We want to get into our segment that we called We Hear You, where we're going to get into a couple of our favorite comments. So, Amy, you went through what's the what are people talking about about this right now? Um, So there is a very long thread in our comment section about the top three teams, people arguing about who deserves to be on top. You can go check it out. There are many, many comments in there. I have not. uh, I I do read them all, but I have not yet read this entire thread because it's very long. Um, But I have picked a couple of comments from toward the top of it. Eric B. is making his argument uh, that the Saints should be number one. And he says, the Saints are number one. The Pats still have played nobody. And the turnovers are due for a sharp regression. The Niners have no QB. (laughs) The Saints have an elite defense, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and an elite OL offensive line. Two weapons in Kamara and Thomas that the Pats have nothing like. Throw in special teams, kicker and kick return, and it's the Saints. Nobody has the courage to put the Pats behind anyone but the Saints, but anyone but the Saints are a better team. 
through reasonable analysis. And then Glenn B commented and said, um, that is unreasonable analysis. It is not how you look on paper, but how you perform on the field. The Saints got blown out by the mediocre Rams, have a point differential only plus 39. Uh, Meanwhile, the Patriots, in addition to being undefeated, are plus 189. So obviously, there are a lot of people who are debating this just as we are. Um, And Lindsay, did you have the you had the Niners at three, right? And the Saints at two? Yeah, I did. And, you know, like I said, it's just, it was a really tough, I think it was just a really tough call. And and our colleague, Mike Sando, um, he actually had the Saints first. Uh, he yeah. he did to whoever it was, Eric B., I believe we said. He Nobody, did have the courage. <laughs> he did. Mike has, Mike has a lot of courage, so I hope he's listening Mike to this. Mike Sando, very courageous uh, person. Um, but so, yeah, and there was actually somebody else who tweeted at me after we posted the power rankings, Andrew G, who said, how can anyone rank New Orleans ahead of San Francisco when A, they have a loss to a team that San Francisco beat and B, they're below San Francisco in every possible measurable area, question mark, exclamation point, times infinity. Do your voters watch games? I feel like we're doing something right when you could make an argument for everybody here and our readers are doing it. We're making arguments for all of these teams. And, you know, I, you know, I just think when we look at these teams right now, the Saints I still think the Saints are the most complete team and they've gotten better now that Drew Brees is back. They're heading into their bye week. Um, I, I just think from a coaching standpoint, from a you know defensive standpoint, offensive standpoint, just the whole the whole roster right there. But it's so close. And God, I really hope that that's the NFC Championship game. Wouldn't that be really fun? Whether that's in Santa Clara or in New Orleans, either way, we've had some really epic uh, Niners Saints postseason games before in the past, and you know that would just be that would just be a huge treat. So, you know, I think I, I don't know if we got it right. Uh, I think time will show <laughs> how right or wrong we are there. But I just I love that you guys are debating it because we're going through those same struggles, um, maybe that you guys are as you're trying to. Um, figure out what this ranking, what these rankings should look like. Before we move on, uh, I want to tell our listeners about a special deal we have going on with DoorDash. Are you having a long day at work? Tough day at school? Are you still stuck at the office? Are you really bummed about the NFL trade deadline being nothing today? Then you should treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code RANKINGS. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. And remember to use that promo code RANKINGS for $5 off your first order of $15 or more. Now, let's move on to our next segment. Risers and Falls. We're eight weeks into the season now, and this is normally where we kind of look at the risers and fallers from uh, from each week. But since we're basically at the midpoint of the season, we thought it would be good to do kind of a midseason check-in, find out who has risen the most and who has fallen the most since week one. So let's get first into who has dropped the most since week one. Um, And there's a couple teams. I don't think you guys will be surprised about any of them. We've talked about all of these teams a lot on the podcast. So there are two teams who fell nine spots, the Atlanta Falcons, they started there. They were at week one, uh, excuse me. They were at number 20 after week one. And they're now at number 29 and the Eagles have fallen from number four to number 13. The Chicago bears went down 10 spots from number 12 to number 22 
And the LA Chargers have Mm. fallen a whopping 13 spots. They started out at number eight after week one. That was back when they beat the Colts kind of narrowly at home. Really, they only beat the Colts because of uh, a couple Adam Vinatieri misses. So they fell from eight to number 21, and they've been as low as 24 in our poll. So I don't think any of these teams are, you know, all that surprising at about for how much they've fallen um, or, you know, which teams are the biggest droppers. Um, I I do think the Chargers are interesting here because they actually won last week. They ended up beating um, the Bears when the Bears kind of lost in heartbreaking fashion. Usually it's the Chargers that lose in really yeah, they, weird they ways. Yeah, they pulled the Chargers on them. <laughs> yeah, they outchargered the Chargers, which is, you know, a kind of a stunning a stunning move there. Their curse was bigger than the Chargers curse, I suppose. Um but then they went and fired their offensive coordinator Ken Wisenhunt and, you know, Wisenhunt this is his sec- this had been his second stint with the Chargers. He's also a two-time former NFL head coach both with the Cardinals and then with the Titans. Then after he got fired from the Titans, he went back to the Chargers. So he spent a lot of time with uh, Phillip Rivers. And it's going to be really interesting to see kind of where that offense goes from now. Obviously, Anthony Lynn, their head coach, is an offensive guy. He's a longtime uh, running backs coach in the NFL. It'll be interesting to see if that um, changes kind of their running back usage because they have not been better since Melvin Gordon came back. So they're definitely going to be a team to watch because you know, they're not out of the AFC West race yet. Um, so, but but it's interesting that they fell a, a 13 spots. I think it just really shows how high we were on them to start the year and just how disappointing they've been so far. Yeah, I mean, I think people really considered them. A, a, they had shot at playing in the AFC title game going into this year based on what a great year they had last year. And, you know, they, they were in a tough division, obviously, with Kansas City there. But we thought that they were going to almost be a shoe in for that AFC wildcard spot. And that just hasn't played out and they haven't been playing very well at all so maybe they'll improve and get back in the race for in the second half of the season um for me I, I I'm pretty disappointed in Atlanta all of these teams are really disappointing obviously the Eagles seem to be turning it around again but they do that every week they'll turn it around and then fall again so who knows about them um the Bears are a huge disappointment as well. I think people had pretty high expectations for them. And, you know, I think people were waiting to see Trubisky's turnaround year. Has not happened. But Atlanta just has so much talent. Like, it just it sucks to see them consistently waste, you know, Matt Ryan and, and Julio Jones and those guys that they have there. And they haven't been able to. They're they're really bad. They also like when I when we say that we could joke about them all time for 32, I, I would easily put the Falcons at 32 right now. They've been really bad. They're one in seven. And just for the talent that they have there and for, you know, uh, their recent history of, the, the you know, they were considered one of the top teams in the league just a couple of years ago, a few I guess a few years ago now. But, you know, for them to still have, you know, the bulk of that team there, at least the offensive talent and to not be able to turn that into anything, to not make a move on Dan Quinn when they're obviously in need, they need to move on. Uh, it's just been really disappointing there. So. Yeah. And I think the one other notable thing when we're kind of doing this midseason look back uh, with the Falcons is we actually did a power rankings on July 29th, which was right at the start of training camp. So, you know, teams kind of had their 90 man roster set and we actually had the Falcons at 16th then on July 29th. So if you kind of if we look from as long as teams have been practicing this year, they've gone all the way from 16 to 29, which is that's that's a really substantial drop. So. Yeah, that's enough depressing talk. Um, Amy, let us uh, let us now get into which teams have been the biggest risers uh, since yeah. week one. Yeah, so a couple of these, I think, I, again, I don't think you guys will be that surprised with these teams here, but so biggest risers jumping up 
10 spots. The Indianapolis Colts went from 17 to 7. We obviously talked a lot about them um, on our first podcast, I think, with the Andrew Luck news and what we thought of them. I think Lindsay and I both had them around 15 when we started the season. We just kind of wanted to wait and see what would happen. And it's been really, really impressive what Frank Reich has been able to do, turning his team around after the really surprising news that Luck was retiring right before the season started. Um, They've looked really good. I think they're clearly kind of the, you know, even a game that they played really poorly on Sunday. They, They should have lost and they found a way to win. And, you know, that's what happens to good teams. So uh, they rose 10 spots, 11 spots. We have Gardner Minshew Madness. Jacksonville went from 28 uh, to 17. They're currently at 17. Uh, That's 11 spots. So obviously, I think a lot of that is due to it's weird. You know, they lost Foles in the it was the first game of the season, I think. And it was the first quarter of the first first quarter of the first game of the season. You would think that that would be the kind of the death knell for them. But they've turned it around. They've stayed competitive. Garner Minshew brought some life into them and they've consistently, you know, the last few weeks, I think kind of been in that 17 to 20 range for us when we're voting and we'll see if they're able to get any higher than that. And we'll see what they do when yeah. Foles uh, is, is going to be healthy soon. And that will be a really interesting decision. I know we've kind of been talking a lot about the decision in Carolina, which I don't think will be that difficult now that they've lost, uh, but um, and lost the way that they did, and lost the way that they did. I think it almost is like kind of a relief in terms of like all the quarterback drama that could have been there, and now it's a lot easier to go back to Cam now for them. Um, yeah, it's just so surprising to me with the with the Jaguars that if you'd have told us, you know, heading into Week One that the Jaguars would lose Nick Foles and trade Jalen Ramsey, and they would actually be eleven spots higher in the polls. That would have been, I would have thought you were crazy, but here we are. Yeah. Thank you, Gardner Minshew. So thanks, Gardner. We love your mustache. You bring some energy to the Jaguars, which we were not expecting. Um, and then the biggest riser, I don't think this will be a surprise to anybody, 16 spots, San Francisco. They started at 18, and they are now all the way up to, as we discussed, number two. Many commenters think they should be potentially number one. So, you know, that that's uh, those are the biggest risers. And I think what's especially interesting here is that the Niners were also the biggest climbers of the preseason poll. Uh, we had them at 19 and they were number 29 in our final rankings of 2018. So when we did our first summer power rankings, we noted that it was a really steep um, climb for the Niners that they had. You know, we, we had some preseason confidence in their ability to at least be a competitive team this year. We did not think they would be this good, um, but here we are. Those are our biggest risers. I'm going to pat myself on the back because back then on July 29th, the reason that I wrote that we were optimistic that the Niners were going to be kind of a team on the rise was because their defensive line looked like it was going to be so good. And here we are, you know, eight weeks in and their defensive line is insane. And Nick Bosa looks like he's he's kind of he's the favorite for uh, defensive rookie of the year right now. So that's been really fun. And but now we're here at midseason. So I think it, I think it might be instructed to look a little bit about or think a little bit about what our top 10 and our bottom 10 or top five, bottom five might look like as we move forward. So is there a team, Amy, that is not currently in the top 10 that you think by week 17 is going to end up in our in our top 10? There is. And I'm kind of going to cheat here because I think it's going to be one of either the Cowboys or Eagles. I think it's got to be one of those NFC East teams. Which one? I really don't know because both of those teams have been so, so frustrating. They're so inconsistent. Um, the Eagles, you know, one week they look great. The next week they look awful. 
Um, I by just glancing at schedules, I would say the Eagles, I think, have an easier schedule all the way through. Um, so they have a potentially a better chance to finish with a better record and, and win that division. Um, but, you know, I think and they have better I, I believe that they have better coaching there. So that could be the difference maker. But I think that I do have confidence that the Cowboys are going to uh, turn this around. Uh, they've already kind of started to again. I, I think they're going to play uh, better than we've seen the last few weeks. And I uh, I really don't know. I'm really torn between which one of those teams it's going to be. But I am very confident that it will be one of them. <laughs> It'll be one or the other. Amy, are you insinuating that Jason Garrett might not be a great coach? <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said that the Eagles coaching is better. Uh, shout out to our, our producer <laughs> who sends us funny pictures of Jason Garrett sometimes. Well, that's fair. And I um, I also could see either Dallas or Philly ending up in our back in our top 10. The other NFC team that I'm just not quite ready to let go of right now is the Los Angeles Rams. I'm not sure exactly what to make of them right now. You know, they they struggled for, I think, three games in a row. Then they came back and, you know, now they've won two games in a row. But I'm not sure do those games count because they beat the Falcons and the Bengals. I just still have a lot of faith in that roster. I have a lot of faith in Sean McVay. And I'm just not quite ready to, you know, think that they're not going to be a factor, you know, later in the season. I'm not I don't think they're going to end up back in our top five. I think the NFC West, though, is going to be really, really, really interesting. And, you know, I think they'll get into that, you know, that is eight, nine, ten range um, at some point if they can pick up a couple of wins um, soon. So how about the reverse of that? Is there anybody that you think that's kind of in the middle of the pack right now that's going to kind of spiral in the second half, a team that's not in our bottom ten right now that's headed that way? Yeah, so I don't know if this is also cheating because they've been in the bottom 10 at some points. The Tennessee Titans are currently, as of today, at number 19. Um, I think they will be in the bottom 10. I am not buying in on the Titans. I don't think anyone really is. I don't believe that Ryan Tannehill is going to you know, turn their season around, even though they've won with him since they benched Mariota. Um, I'm just not convinced. I, I don't think they're that good. And their schedule, their remaining schedule – uh, is at Carolina, then against the Chiefs, then the Jaguars, Colts, Raiders, Texans, Saints, Texans. That's a really tough schedule. Um, and so I, I, I could see them losing the majority of those games, finishing with a bad record and kind of plummeting into our uh, bottom 10 by the end of the season. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you there. I just I'm so I'm so afraid of like making any declarations about the Titans because yeah I have no idea. Just, it's like God. they're so confusing. I think what was the gif I chose? It was just something with like who I have no idea who you are. Like I have yeah, no was, idea. <laughs> you chose it was from um, Cruel Intentions, which is one of the my favorite movies of all time. So that was an excellent gift, <laughs> uh, a gift choice right there. So my team of uh, a team that's not in our bottom ten right now that could slip back is uh, is the Oakland. Raiders right now. I, you know, I think, you know, they, they've, they kind of survived this ridiculous five game road trip where they haven't played at home since September 15th. They went two and three in those games. I just, you know, I, you know, I, I guess I'm just not, a, I'm not a believer in them yet. And while I think the NFL is more fun when the Raiders are good, I'm just not, I'm just not quite sure that they're going to that they're going to do it. I think they could end up in that, you know, 22 to 24 kind of range when the season is over. Just the really hard part right now, though, about trying to pick 
I think it was easier to pick teams that are going to get into the top 10 than teams that are going to go into the, the bottom 10 because there's so many really bad teams right now that for any of these teams to go from, you know, in the 15, 16 range into the 20s means that some of these teams in the 20s are going to climb out. And I just don't have a lot of faith that some of these bottom teams are going to get any better. Yeah, I don't see that happening pretty much. Basically, once we get to like 24, it feels like none of those teams really have much of a shot of getting out. So, uh, yeah, that one's a tough decision. But uh, that is that's my pick. We got the Titans uh, and yeah. So and the Raiders, which I I agree with you, Lindsay. I think the Raiders, um, I've been like intrigued by them. I I kind of want them to be good because I I, like you said, I think they're fun when they're good. But uh, I don't see that really last. Power up, power down. All right. Well, let's get into our final segment. It is time to power up or power down. Amy, you lead us off. Who are you powering up or powering down this week? Yeah. So I have a couple of instances here and they all involve quarterbacks. So I just wanted to power up two incredible plays from this week, both from really great quarterbacks. Uh, number one, I'm sure you've all seen it, the Deshaun Watson great escape and touchdown throw after getting kicked in the eye. He says that he basically threw it blind because he had gotten kicked in the eye right before it. It's really an incredible play. Um, and we have a, a really good article from Aaron Reese on how that kind of play came together. Uh, if you should check that out. And number two, Aaron Rodgers, uh, one of his amazing throws, finding Jamal Williams in the back of the end zone for debatably the best throw of his career. We had a fun debate section breakout about that in the comments of Power Rankings today. I think, Lindsay, you referenced, was this the greatest throw he's made? A lot of people had opinions. Yeah, I believe I I asked where that throw ranks in the pantheon of Aaron Rodgers throws. I wasn't saying it was the best, but I wanted to know where, you know, Packers fans who have watched every single one of Aaron Rodgers throws, where that one ranks. So, yeah, um, some people said the best one. Some people have have said that they think it's the best throw he's ever made. So, you know, he's got a lot to choose from. So I don't know whether we're ready to make that declaration, but certainly an amazing throw. Really fun to watch both of those guys. Um, And also shout out to Matt Moore, the backup quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. He went 24 for 36, 267 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, solid backup work there. And and to Andy Reid, who, despite whatever game management issues people want to discuss about him, he's clearly shown he's an offensive genius, and this might have been the best example of it yet, uh, getting Matt Moore to play that way. So uh, that's my power up. All right. And I'm going to do just one quick power up. And that is to Joe Flacco. This is a surprising oh, name yeah. to probably hear in powering up, um, considering that he is uh, not going to play this week against the Browns because because he has um, a back issue, which is, should not be surprising if you've been following Joe Flacco over the last couple of years. But I'm going to power up to him because immediately after the Broncos kind of frustrating loss to the Colts on Sunday. Joe Flacco hadn't even taken a shower yet. And he stood up at a podium and he basically called out his play caller. And I think we could, you know, this does not absolve Joe Flacco from criticism of how he's played this year. He's ranked near the bottom of all quarterbacks in a lot of the, 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 the important measurable statistics when it comes to quarterback play. He has also not been the Broncos' biggest problem, but he said what everybody who you know follows the Broncos, everybody who's watched any of the Broncos games year this year has been thinking, and that's that the play calling is awful. They play scared. They're not. Uh, they're not innovative, um, and it's just been really, really frustrating to watch. And he's not the only Broncos player who has insinuated things like this. Um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders kind of danced around it before he ended up getting traded. Philip Lindsay has uh, you know kind of he's been biting his tongue, but you can tell that. He He's really frustrated with the play calling as well. And, 
you know, Joe Flacco might not play another snap for the Broncos this year. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future with the Broncos quarterbacking, but this might be his, his greatest moment as a Bronco is, you know, kickstarting this offense or lighting a fire under a first year offensive coordinator slash play caller, Rich Scangarello. So thank you, Joe Flacco, for saying what we were all thinking and saying it in a way that maybe will make people pay attention. Yeah, it's always refreshing when people say, (laughs) speak candidly and don't just kind of give canned uh, answers when things are going really poorly. So that was good to see. And uh, that wraps up this um, non-eventful trade deadline, but hopefully eventful podcast episode version of our power rankings. Um, Continue to leave comments on power rankings today. You can find it at theathletic.com slash NFL and uh, tweet at us if you have any suggestions, questions, concerns, whatever. We uh, we listen to you. We hear you. And uh, maybe we'll read out your comment next week. So we will be yeah. back later in the week uh, with a bonus. We're, we're doing uniforms tomorrow. That's going to be a fun one for bonus episode for our subscribers. And then uh, we will be back next week to uh, regularly scheduled podcast. Yeah, we will see you guys on Thursday. Can't wait to talk about all of our favorite uniforms. See you guys then. 